Ghosts of Christmas Presents, a seasonal story, written by Tobias Sturt and read by John Millington. Chapter 1 It is tempting to suspect that the fabric of a city does something to the fabric of its occupants. Some cities are raw and gleaming, tight grids slap down on featureless prairie or desert, sudden bright metal canyons full of bright metal go-getters in their shining cars and shining suits. Some cities are theme parks of themselves, frozen in some century of glory, of imperial extravagance. Cities where everyone is a tourist, even those who live there, all desperately trying to behave how they think the locals should. And some cities are a mess, constantly tinkered with and revised. They have their moments of enthusiasm and their lapses of judgment, their grand dreams and their neglected projects. Cities where every road seems to lead eventually to a dead end, a place of incredible solitude in the middle of millions. London was the heart of empire, and into her docks flowed the lifeblood of the world, and out from her docks spread poverty, squalor and slums. Eventually the wealthy West End got comfortable enough to have time to notice the dreadful shadow the bright city cast out to the east, the dark and narrow streets, the dripping wharves, the penury and desperation. Aghast, and one would like to hope ashamed, the well-intentioned started raising terraces to the ground and raising mansions to the sky. First the do-gooders, then the do-badders. Paris was invaded, New York was too far away, but London got bombed. At the start of the First World War, Zeppelin pilots opened the windows to hand-deliver bombs to the East End. And by the end of the second, robot rockets came plunging down from the stratosphere in sudden and horrifying silence. Night after night, houses and streets were lit up and levelled, and day after day the people emerged from the depths of the shelters to find their city rewritten, their houses expunged. Throughout the twentieth century there was always something coming down and something going up in the east end of London, going up often in a rush, on a budget and without a great deal of thought. All of this is to say that when Benedict Nail's upstairs neighbour started playing her Christmas music, he could hear it and was extremely unhappy about it. He could hear the silvery bells like moonlight on snow. He could hear the syrupy strings like families reuniting round a fire. He could hear the swelling brass like last-minute shopping streets on a cold and dark evening. And at each repeat of the playlist, he threw down the book he was trying to read and glared at the ceiling. Benedict Nail did not approve of neighbours and he did not approve of Christmas. He did not like the invasion of his lonely silence and he did not like the invasion of his lonely heart. The playlist started again, bells, brass and strings, and Nail slammed out into the rain, stumped up the stairs, counted down the doors and hammered on the third one. Through the frosted glass he could see loops of fairy lights flicking on and off in the same monotonous regularity as the music repeated. Then they were obscured by someone approaching. The door opened, and he could hear the music more clearly. 
he stood back to allow the requisite six feet. A woman opened the door, small, cheery, middle-aged. His age, probably, to be fair. Old enough to know better. Hello? I live downstairs, said Nail. A neighbour, said the woman, delighted. She had an accent he couldn't place. European somewhere, perhaps. Happy Christmas. Well, that's... No, said the woman. Merry. I had never heard this word before. Merry. But everyone says it for Christmas, don't they? Merry Christmas. This conversation was not going the way Nail had been rehearsing it in his head on his way up the stairs. There ought to be a reverse version of Esprit d'Escalier. I can hear your music, said Nail. Downstairs, I can hear it through the floor. He felt out of practice with speaking with actual live humans. He'd been locked down on his own for so long now. Somehow online video conversations were different. A lot more like a series of monologues. The music is too loud, said the woman. I can turn the volume down if it is disturbing you. She turned and walked away down the hall, leaving the door open. I do like the Christmas music, don't you? To feel festive. Another word just for Christmas. Festive. Uh, if you don't mind, said Nail to her disappearing back, far be it uh, for me to tell you how to celebrate your Christmas. Wait, why was he apologising to her? She was the one inconveniencing him, after all. But I, I don't see why I should have to celebrate it that way too. Or not celebrate it. This is the trouble with Christmas. Everyone just assumes you're going to join in, starts imposing their jollity on everyone else. Jollity, <laughs> drunkenness, more like. The music suddenly dropped away and he discovered he was shouting at an empty hallway. Not that I'm suggesting, he said. I just object to the social pressure, that's all. Um, I was trying to read. The woman reappeared. You do not like Christmas music? She said. Well, said Nail, who'd not actually been prepared to have to have an opinion on the qualities of the music he had been just forced to listen to. I'm sure it's all very well in its place. For the kids, you know, uh, carols and whatnot. I just, well, we're adults, aren't we? We, we know it's not true. Not true? The woman seemed genuinely befuddled. Goodwill to men. Peace on earth. Uh, hardly getting much of that downstairs, after all. <laughs> he started to chuckle, but the woman didn't seem to find it funny, so he stopped. I was reading, he said meaningfully, a book about the Second World War. I mean, it's not true, is it? It's not even true at Christmas. Not usually, at any rate. Streets full of people spending money that they don't have on things no one wants. All pushing and shoving each other to get to the shops, get to the bar, get to the last turkey. And then they can't wait for it to all be over. Hardly a season of charity and cheer, is it? Nothing but greed and uh, consumerism. And terrible music. The woman was now staring at him, apparently aghast. I have now turned the music down, she said. I'm sorry for you. Yes, well, thank you, said Nail, suddenly discombobulated at all that sound of his own voice. He probably hadn't said that much in months. Merry Christmas, said the woman, turning away. Merry Christmas, 
said Nell, reflexively, only to discover that he was saying it to the wreath on the closed door anyway. He shrugged and went back downstairs. At least he might have a merrier Christmas now, without all that manufactured sentiment leaking down through the ceiling. It did not occur to him until much later that night that the woman had not said that she was sorry to him, but that she was sorry for him. What on earth had she meant by that? You have been listening to The Ghosts of Christmas Presents, written by Tobias Sturt and read by John Millington. The music is The Path of the Goblin King by Kevin MacLeod of filmmusic.io and our illustrations are by Jamie Lenman. You can find more of our stories at christmasstories.co.uk or wherever you found this podcast and we'd be grateful if you could rate and review us while you're there as well. If you're feeling really generous, we now have a Patreon at patreon.com slash christmasstories where a subscription will get you versions of this story without all these annoying credits and lots of other exclusive material. But all we really want you to do is to listen to the next instalment of The Ghosts of Christmas Presents. Christmas Presents